0: The stronger the self-life, the more pride there is. And pride destroys. And pride, it just makes us ugly and ruins everything we touch. It's just God's goodness to step in and help us come down.
1: To be successful in the fight for purity, we must fight the correct battle, and we must fight all the way to the end. In this episode, we want to encourage you. If you're battling hard against your pride, you may feel like you're in the fight of your life, but you're doing the right thing. Don't quit. We'll interview Pastor Steve Gallagher about the lowliness of God and how that ought to shape the way we live our own lives. And, Pastor Ed Buch helps us to see that Jesus Christ has rest for every weary soul. If only we would learn to live in his humility and meekness. Thanks for joining us. Last year on Purity for Life, we did two long series of shows that identified some of the most foundational truths about getting victory over sexual sin. The first series we did was the Exposed series, which was geared toward helping you realize that pride is at the root of every sin, and so if you want to live in purity, then you must allow God to root pride out of your life. The second series was called Victory. And in that series, we took an in-depth look at what the Bible calls mercy, which is a strong, passionate desire to do good to other people. And we showed you in that series that when the human heart is full of mercy, lust simply cannot survive. And for this show, I've got a certain group in my mind. I'm thinking of the person who listened to both of those series and They really impacted you, maybe even to the point where you know that something radically changed in your life. I remember that moment in my own life where I knew that I had gone from death to life. It was like everything was different. Suddenly, I knew that I was walking with Jesus. We were actually in fellowship. For the first time in my life, I knew that He was living in me. It was actually quite an experience. But then something happened that I didn't anticipate. I entered into this great struggle again with my own nature. When I surveyed my own thoughts and emotions and actions, I realized, wow, there is still a lot of pride and selfishness and self-centeredness in me. And I would agonize before the Lord, asking Him to help me and change me. And I didn't see it at the time, But God was giving me plenty of opportunities to learn to live in humility, rather than the pride that I had lived in for my whole life. Here's an example. I had a roommate who asked me one day for prayer, right as I was about to go somewhere. And honestly, I was really annoyed. Inside, my emotions were saying, seriously, you're bothering me right now? And I had a choice. I could throw up a half-hearted prayer and go on my way and continue being annoyed that he would even ask me to pray, or I could embrace the lowliness of Jesus, who I knew was always available for people, even when he had plans and an agenda. In that instance, I embraced humility and I put my heart into praying for him. I bring that up because I understand the battle to live in humility is real. Even when Jesus changes our hearts, there's still so much in our flesh that doesn't care about anyone else, that is annoyed by other people's problems, that's only concerned about how things affect me, etc. And my hope is that this show keeps you engaged in the battle for humility. Ultimately, the battle for humility is far more important Than the battle against porn. Now, if you're if you're new to our show, that probably sounds crazy. But let me explain. When God looks at our lives, He is looking at our whole lives. I've found that for those who are repenting of sexual sin, it's really easy to spend the majority of the time monitoring and evaluating the area of sexual purity. Now, obviously, the purity of our lives is extremely important to God, but He's looking at a lot more than just that. God is also looking to see if we treat others as more important than ourselves, or if we're the most important one in our own minds. He's looking to see if we will bear others' burdens, or if we will be a burden to others. He's looking to see if we will sacrificially love others or if we expect others to meet our need at their expense. The reason that Jesus' life made such an impact on this world was not because he never sinned sexually, but because he humbled himself to a greater depth than any being ever had. And if we're going to be his followers— then we must go where he went. In the next two segments, you're going to hear about embracing a life of lowliness. In some ways, it's going to recap some of the things that you heard in the Exposed series, but I'm okay with that because we need to be constantly reminded of what is most important. Let's start off with an interview that I did with Pastor Steve Gallagher about the lowliness of God and our need for it. So, Pastor Steve, we want to talk about humility, and humility is so important because God makes it really clear in His Word that He, because of His lowliness and His humility, is repulsed by pride, and so that creates a barrier between Him and someone who is proud. So, humility, if we're going to be Christians, humility is absolutely essential. It's a condition for fellowship with this humble God. But it can be hard for us because humility is not really easily defined. So that's one of the things that we want to talk about, um, first of all, is how to know if someone is humble. What things do you look for in a person's life to say, I believe this is a humble man or woman?
0: Well, I don't tend to look at people and even think that, but um, let me just say a couple things about humility. I think maybe the reason why it's hard to define is because it's a negative to something, meaning okay. that it is not pride. Uh huh. Pride is a something. Okay. Negative is the absence of it. Okay. So what is pride? Well, pride is self-importance. Hmm. And it comes from um, the self-life. So the stronger the self-life, the more pride there is. And pride is the aspect of the self-life that protects the ego. So it's like a watchdog Mm -hmm. that's going to protect that ego no matter what. And if it has the opportunity, it's going to do it by rising up and making itself look better than other people around it. Or if it's, it feels threatened, mm-hmm. then it's going to attack the person. Okay. Um, you know, the perceived threat. And the problem that God has with it, first of all, is we have to humble ourselves. We have to come down to even approach Him mm-hmm. because He is such a magnificent, awesome being. And He is humble by nature, also, as you said. And so. You know, when you think of the devil, how the devil rose up against God, that is pride, and that's the spirit of the enemy. So, yeah, that's why God abhors it, Mm. because it's coming against him, Mm -hmm. and he can't interact with the person that's in that. So, like I say, I don't like look for things, but when someone's a prideful person, I mean, I can't help but see when it comes out. Uh, So that's all I would say to that. So yeah, that's interesting when you think about
1: the life of Jesus, because when you talk about either protecting self or rising up against other people, you don't ever see that.
0: No, never. I mean, he lived his life always with the uh, mindset of wanting to do for others, even at his own expense, And even when you see him like go on that rant, so to speak, in Matthew 23 against the Pharisees, that wasn't to somehow one-up them or get over on them or come out as the one that's right or any of those human-type things that we experience. That was for one thing only, and that was to protect other people from their... um, Yeah, their ugly pride and the false system of religion that they had set up in Judaism. And that rant, so to speak, has been there for 2,000 years for everyone to see. Here are the things that we don't want to see in Christianity, these kinds of things. Mm. And
1: maybe even to reach some of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of them did come to the Lord eventually, Uh, So maybe it began on that day. Maybe he was putting his finger on something that they could not squirm out from under. And you know the conviction of the Lord, the truth, maybe that just was stirring something up inside. And then after Pentecost, maybe they were some of those priests that actually did come to the Lord. One of the things that really
1: resonates with me when I listen to people's testimonies about coming to the Lord is when they say something like, pride has just been my nemesis, even after coming to the Lord, where they talk about just how natural it is to be proud. Man, it is so natural. That is, without the Lord's help, that is the world I live in, is the world of pride. And, you know, you've been working with people for over 40 years, so you've got a lot of experience watching God's dealings with people as he's teaching them this life of humility. Could you give us two big categories of things that God uses to help people live the life of lowliness?
0: Yeah, I would say one through teaching and one through the Lord's direct intervention in a person's life. So I think teaching is always his default. He wants to see people come into this, and he wants to develop in a person the sense of value for humility, that they really feel inside, you know, it would be so much better for me and certainly for those around me if I would learn to be more humble. You know, if a person can learn to value it and then start to go to the Lord, seeking the Lord to, Lord, please bring me down. You know, help me not to rise up in pride. Help me to walk in uh, humility, that's his first desire, is that, you know, that that can happen. If that doesn't work, then (laughs) sometimes he will, you know, revert to um, stronger measures. And, uh, and, you know, there's nothing like affliction and Mm. suffering to humble a person. And I've had both. (laughs) I've had plenty of both, mostly the second one. And I just thank God for it now. I mean, it means everything to me now. Some of the things I've gone through that really humbled me when nothing else would, you know. So, yeah, those are—I mean, he's got other things in his arsenal, but I would say those are the two main things he uses.
1: Yeah, it's like when we tenderize meat, you know. it's Here comes the hammer. Definitely does something. (laughs) If I can't talk to that hamburger, I'm going to beat it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, or just eat it. (laughs) Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely, it's true that we need our hearts to be constantly tenderized Mm. because they harden up so quickly in the self life.
1: Yeah, and we laugh about you know God beating us, but man, it's like you said. I can I can see that in my own life. In the middle of it, it's so hard. It feels awful, but it's so precious in retrospect because you realize what God's doing for you.
0: That's right. If your heart's right, but how many people have gone through stuff like that and they come out the other end of it bitter, even bitter towards the Lord, and the Lord is just trying to help them, and they turn bitter against him, Yeah, you know? So all I know is I am grateful myself for what he's done to help me. Can you think of someone in
1: the in the scriptures, where you can see that happening over a period of time, them going through that humbling process?
0: Well, there's lots of examples. I mean, Joseph in prison, you know, humbling him before he was going to rise up in such a position of prominence. Um, Saul the Pharisee, you know, gets a sight of the lowly one, that which absolutely devastated him because his whole life had been built on um, Self righteousness and looking down on other people. And it, that just came collapsing down in that one vision of Jesus. Moses, you know, who was so prideful in the uh, Pharaoh's palace and that whole life, all that he went through there. And then he kills uh, an Egyptian soldier and. You know, that's where he was. He, he had become self-righteous, hmm. and that drove him to killing that soldier. So he had to go out on the desert for 40 years. And really, I mean, 40 years out in the wilderness after the palace life? Wow. Yeah, that'll humble you. You know, so there's many stories I could allude to, but those are a couple of examples.
1: As you talk about those things, it's helpful for me because I realize that this is God's way of dealing with us it's not even punishment in a certain sense it's his loving fatherly discipline which we all need
0: yeah it's not punishment at all when it's a believer when it's one of his children it's totally remedial you know he wants to help them get better because pride destroys and pride it just makes us ugly and ruins everything we touch. I mean, it's Mm. just God's goodness to step in and help us come down. Mm -hmm.
1: I touched on this a little earlier, and you did too, that God himself is humble, which still boggles my mind because that's so different from what I'm like by nature. And Jesus said this, he said, "'Come to me.'" All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That statement, I am lowly in heart. This is the most powerful, the most um, intelligent, the most wise being imaginable and he's lowly in heart. It's, it's just astounding. Um, when you look at his earthly life, where do you see his humility the most?
0: Well, first of all, and really this just came to me in that earlier question, that humility's like almost like a non-thing. Um, so I almost want to say instead of him saying, I am lowly in heart or I am humble, more like I am blank pride. You know, there's mm. just no pride.
1: Zero pride.
0: Zero pride. Zero vacuum, you know, just wow. no pride. And so because I there's no pride in me, come unto me, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, the Lord just doesn't have anything in him that wants to exalt himself at someone else's expense and... Um, You know, or anything like that. I mean, the opposite is the devil. That's what he lives in. Mm. You know,
1: I was just talking to one of our students last night, and he told me this story that was really amazing. He said that at one time in his life, he told the Lord, if you were here right now before me, I would spit in your face. (sighs) I, I don't want you telling me how to run my life. And he said, the Lord said, and I would still love you. And that shattered him. And he said, If that's what you're like, I'll spend the rest of my life serving you. Mm.
0: Yeah. And the only thing I would say about that is that the Lord knew that that was the thing that would shatter him. Mm. But if he did not uh, reveal his majesty and his almighty power to people, Mm. most wouldn't even pay any attention to him. You know, they have to see him in fear first. And then, as they come to know him, eventually their hearts do dissolve and they do come down and they do come to love him because of what he's like. But it usually must begin with the sight of his fearsome, you know, uh, majesty yeah. and power. And uh, yeah, that's where most people have to begin.
1: Yeah, that's what it was for me for sure. I want to park on this still and just talk about God's humility a little bit more, because when when somebody says, let's talk about the attributes of God, there's always, a, I think, a list that would come to mind. He is love. He is righteous. He is holy. He is just. He's omniscient. There's all these attributes. But I, I don't know that I've ever heard someone mention humility in that list before I came to Pure Life. And so it's just still, I want to bring more of that out. Um, God says this in Isaiah chapter 57, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. What other ways do you see God's humility revealed?
0: Well, can I uh, respond to that first as as I'm just thinking about it? We did a Bible study in staff a few weeks ago on fellowshipping with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when I think of fellowship, you know, and I was uh, sharing with everyone, you you fellowship with people at the level you are at, you know, where you're at. And so a brand new Christian is not going to, he's going to be on a pretty shallow level of fellowship. Uh, Whereas seasoned saints can really fellowship on a deep level. So when you think about the Lord wanting to reside with someone, be with someone, be in their presence, who does he want to be with is someone who's on his level. Not that we could ever be on his level, but someone who's contrite of heart, whose self-life has been delivered blow after blow after blow and has broken that self-life down to where that person truly does walk in humility, the Lord says, that's the one I want to be around. Man, I just want to be with that person. So anyway, that just came to me uh, as you were reciting that mm-hmm, verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I forgot what you were <laughs> asking.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because the, the other side of that is he wants to dwell with that person because that's what he's like. You could say that God is contrite and lowly in spirit. Not contrite in the sense that he needs to repent of anything, but he's like that. Yeah. So can we talk a little more about this? What are other ways that you see God's humility being revealed?
0: Uh, Like everything? (laughs) Having a Bible, having a world, being willing to share with these puny, nothing beings who are full of themselves, full of self-everything, and, you know, him condescending. You know, everything God does comes out of that humility. You know what I mean? It's like, why would he even bother with things as deplorable as us? You know, us moral beings who have completely trashed and polluted ourselves, with sin, with self, with pride, why would he? Or I should say, how could he? Only because of the complete, utter absence of pride in his being. Wow, that is amazing. It just shows
1: you that love and humility are really the same thing.
0: One and the same, it is, that's true.
1: You know, one of the things that God speaks to us about in his word is he tells us that pride— Comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Um, so, you know, as a person is really repenting of sexual sin and coming into this new life of victory, um, I see in that that the devil doesn't necessarily have to blatantly tempt us with sexual sin. He can tempt us in more subtle ways because he knows if I can get them into pride, then it's just inevitable they're going to fall in some way. Um, so I'd like to give people some things to maybe look at as far as common ways that the devil tempts us back into pride so that we can just be aware of it and keep walking in humility.
0: Well, you can't be in sexual sin without being in pride. It's not possible. I mean, they go hand in hand. Mm. Uh, So a person who has been in habitual sin of any kind has been in habitual high mindedness at the same time. So they're coming out of that, they are coming down at some level, you know, but not that much. I mean, mm. you know, it takes a long time and a lot of work on God's part to bring a person down. So it's not like okay, they somehow repent of sexual sin and now they're a lowly. Contrite person. Right. But they have probably gone through some experience of brokenness. And when you are broken, when you're in that state of brokenness, that is poverty of spirit and that is lowliness. But, you know, I know that. But reality also tells me, having dealt with so many over the years, that people, you know, um, come out of that. They don't live there. Uh-huh. It's an experience that helps them see where the Lord wants to take them. Mm. So, anyway, you know, the person has had probably had their self life has been delivered a real blow. Their pride and all that's been delivered a real blow. And what the enemy will try to do is find ways that that person will succumb to. Uh, opportunities to bolster their ego, you know, and it's usually at the expense of someone else. So maybe someone will come at them with something, and so the temptation will be to go into the old attack mode, yeah. Mm -hmm. or or maybe it's an opportunity for them to shine at church or whatever, so they puff themselves up, you know, and I mean, it's endless, the different ways the enemy can come at us and uh, and draw us back into that same kind of devilish thinking. Mm. and But, you know, the Lord's there to help us, and especially once we start recognizing it, then we can say, oh, wait a minute, I'm not going down that right. path. And the Lord will help us to, you know, walk away from that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and what an amazing graciousness in the heart of Jesus that even using our failures— to humble us.
0: Yeah, to bring good yeah. to us, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's It's another picture of his lowliness that he would just even think that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Amen. There's so much to think about and chew on, so I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Yeah, it was a blessing.
1: In Scripture, sin is sometimes described as a heavy weight, a life full of sin is wearisome and laborious. This is why repentance brings such refreshing to the soul, because the weight of sin is removed. Recently, Pastor Ed Buch looked at Jesus' words in Matthew 11 and admonished our students to learn of him and to find
2: his rest. I'm going to read out of uh, Matthew 11, <clears throat> if you care to turn there, Some of you might know it by heart, but um, it was that song, well, it's the whole evening really, but that song, all I want is to know you, Jesus. And I found myself, you know, like asking that as a question, is that really all you want? Because if you want to know him, you know, here's a passage at the end of Matthew 11 that tells us something about knowing him. Jesus said in verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, uh, these Thursday night services were like uh, a lifeline to me in the program. I don't know how they strike you all, but like I, I knew if I could just make it to Thursday night, we would have a service, a worship time with the Lord, and I would get renewed, I would get refreshed. I, would, I could make it, you know, so to speak, if I could just get through to Thursday night as I went through my work week. Because, I mean, it was a wonderful job, but I was so tired. It didn't matter. You know, my counselor made up for it. He had this homework drawer that, you know, I'm pretty sure I worked my way through at least two-thirds or three-quarters of his homework drawer by the time I graduated. I mean, he had no mercy when it came to homework assignments. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, yeah. But, uh, you know, so I was up till 10 or 11 trying to churn out all this homework all the time, and so I needed a gravy job, you know? (laughs) But anyway, I was still tired, so tired all the time. And this passage, you know, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You know that when you've labored under sin, it's all the more heavy and weighty, and some of you aren't far enough away from laboring under sin to even get rid of that burden yet, you know, I don't know how that works exactly, but it's still like, you, you still feel the weight of it, it you're you just, it, you're only a month or two months whatever removed from it, and and you still are carrying some of the guilt, some of the shame, uh, just the, the whole dirty, filthy mess of it with you as part of who you are and what you are, and Jesus is inviting us here come to him. He says, I will give you rest, but take my yoke upon you. You know, you we've been under the yoke of sin, and it's amazing how willingly we come under the yoke of sin and how stubbornly we resist the yoke of Jesus. And it's one or the other. There, there will be a yoke on you. And you have a lot to say about which yoke you're under, which yoke you're willing to wear. And I promise you, Jesus' yoke is much easier than the one you've been so accustomed to. And it's a custom fit yoke. It won't leave that chafing soreness like your other one did. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, or I think most translations actually say correctly, learn of me, because that's, you know, what that song was like, all I want is to know you Well, learn of me then for I am gentle or meek is a better word there and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's where you really want the rest too. you know, this body is going to decay. It's going to die. It's going to turn to dust, you know, but my soul, I want a rest and I want that better rest that Hebrews talks of, that eternal rest that never ends and never leaves me needing something else in its place. will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you have to learn something of Jesus if you want to experience that rest. If you want to get rid of that heavy laden feeling that's been with you for years and years and years. And some of you have carried it so long, you probably wonder if I really can ever be free of it. Yes, you can. Yes, definitely, you can be free of it. Jesus wants to, and he's telling you right here. One of the things you need to know about how to get out from under that is learn of him. But what is he, he tells you specific things to learn, meekness and lowliness or we could even use the word humility in there. You know how Rex Andrews takes uh, grace and mercy and loving kindness, you know, and like he separates them and draws some differences out of them. But generally speaking, you and I, we can use them interchangeably in any sentence, right? Well, you can do that with lowliness, meekness and humility too. It's kind of like the same concept with maybe a slightly different nuance if you choose one of those words. And you don't need to get all wrapped up in it, just, pursue lowliness, meekness, humility, like there's hyphens in between them, and go for it, you know. But it takes that coming down. You've got to come down. You've got to humble yourself. In other words, you've got to humble yourself, like Peter says, under the mighty hand of God. You are being asked to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And that's a shelter. That's a place where a lot of the things you don't want to experience are can't get through when you're in that place. Uh, but we've got to humble ourselves. I, I just, you know, how do you talk about humility? Because, you know, I can't give you a formula. You can pray for humility, and I encourage you to pray for humility. for lowliness, meekness. But in reality, you know, when you get it is when you're in that, situation like Chris was describing, when you really need it, when you're right there, I have the choice right here, right now in front of me, I can, you know, go to my normal response of exalting myself in pride and, you know, having bad feelings about that guy who's a pebble in my shoe and just keep letting or I can humble myself and love that guy. I can pray mercy for that guy. I can learn to let the Lord change my heart and actually love him and care about him more than I care about myself. And God does that. If you'll do some of the simple things you're being asked to do, God can turn that guy that is rubbing you raw into someone that you are just, uh, you know, have a genuine biblical, godly love for. More concerned for him. And, and that's my testimony. You know, I had a, a pebble in my shoe for a driver going to that, that gravy job that I was talking about. You know, the job was great. The ride there and back stunk. Because you know? <laughs> I had this guy uh, who, yeah, he was just a thorn in my flesh until the Lord showed me how to, you know, to pray for him and to love. I mean, he, he would drive like crazy. He'd get beeped at from the other cars on the road because he's going like 80 miles an hour and weaving in and out of cars. And I just would sit in the back and just, you know, pray. Lord, help us, you know. <laughs> uh, we're in trouble here, you know. But uh, when I started praying the mercy prayer, one of the things I would pray was, God, please protect him from getting a speeding ticket. And we came around the corner on the interstate one time and there was the radar gun out like this and the cop pulls him over. And I was so grieved because I realized that I had forgotten to pray that for him that morning. And I was more upset about that ticket than he was, really. But you see, I'm trying to just share that the Lord changed my heart toward him. I was grieved that he didn't graduate the program. I was grieved that he left the program without graduating. God broke my heart for that young man. He needed Jesus. He needed the lowliness that I'm trying to talk about here. He needed to come down. And he wouldn't, and some of you won't. You'll sit here tonight and you'll hear us talk about, hear us exhort you to do it and still not do it. And I'm telling you, it's, you know, it's like, uh, humility is, um, I want to say it's like courage, you know, like sitting here. Do, do you, do we don't like typically just say, well, here's a really courageous guy. We say that after he's had an encounter that mandated some sort of courageous response out of it. Right? Well, that's what I'm trying to say to you about humility. It's the same sort of thing. It's, it's right there available to you when you need it. And you have to be the one who's willing to choose it right there in the hard circumstance where it is most needed and most critical. And if you won't do it there, you will never have it anywhere. That's what I'm trying to say to you guys. So don't be shocked if you end up in circumstances that are like crossing your will. God's using them to help you learn how to choose humility, how to come down. And guys, I'm telling you this because it's just been burning in me that, you know, it's so easy to forget sometimes that the root of your sexual sin, you know, we say it, but it's pride and selfishness. It's you. (laughs) living for self and full of thinking that you're better than everyone else and all that sort of stuff that comes in with pride and takes all those different forms of pride. That's the root of your problem. And the solution for your problem is humility, meekness, lowliness. And if you won't choose lowliness, you won't stay out of sexual sin. It is that simple once you've paved the way into sexual sin if you won't choose lowliness you will end up back your pride your selfishness will take you right back eventually to sexual sin and even probably some other things that flow out that's why it's so critical and here's Jesus telling us how we need to know him this is what you need to know about You knew lots of things about Jesus, but I'm telling you, you did not know this like you need to know it. Or you wouldn't be here. And it's true for me. And it's still true for me. I can't forget this when I sit down up here in a minute. I have to renew this every day and be willing to choose humility.
1: Hey, all. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Purity for Life. And I wanted to send a special thanks to all of you who have reviewed us on Apple Podcasts. It's a real blessing to see that the Lord is using this show to help you in your fight to live a pure life in the midst of an impure world. That's it for this episode, and we'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries.